morning, everyone. So, first of all, the reading, which is 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, in this particular letter, the context is that Paul is sort of telling people off, really, for being a bit immature. And uh, he goes on to say, after he started to talk to people about their lack of maturity and calling them to something higher, he says, what, after all, is Apollos? Apollos is somebody who was uh, one of the followers. What is Paul? Which, of course, he's referring to himself. Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who watches have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. And a little bit later on in uh, verse 11, Paul says, For no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the reason I wanted to, to read you that is because it talks about the fact that we have a role to play, doesn't it? And it talks about the fact that uh, God is all and that the foundation that's been laid already is Jesus, and it refers to us, us and God, as co-workers. And I've always been kind of confused by exactly what that means, uh, particularly because uh, I'm, I'm sort of a doer. And immediately before God called me to be a missionary and go to this little Greek island called Mykonos, I ran a charity, and it kind of fed into that a lot, into the fact that I was such a doer. And actually, I quite enjoy achieving things and results, and that is actually a bit of an impediment as well, it turns out. But when you're in a situation where you've kind of put together a charity and you see a need in the community and you're able to respond quickly and pull some volunteers around it, that part of you, if if that's in you, that's enjoying achievement or enjoying results is sort of tick box going on all the time. And then all of a sudden, when God called me to this Greek island called Mykonos, it was a very different ball game indeed, because there were no volunteers, and there was no charity, and because I had that mindset, I assumed that he'd sent me there in order to maybe build something similar, but it turned out that he had a very, very different plan. I don't know if you've ever heard of the island. Have you heard the name Mykonos before? Has it come up? Some nods there. Has anyone else heard of it before? Have you, do you know about it because it's been in the papers? Because it does get into magazines and things. Have you heard about it because it's expensive? Have you heard about it because there's lots of nightlife there? Yes. Have you heard about it because it's kind of very lost and crazy and a bit over-celebrity, um, a bit over-sophisticated? Well, all those things are true. The the other side of that, the truth, is that there is a local community who live there, who go back 60 years, were really either farmers or fishermen, and lived a very simple life. The island was very poor. And what's happened in in 60 years is that tourism has arrived, a particular kind of tourism, quite jet-setty, quite five-star. The locals responded by building things the tourists would like. 
And some of those local people have therefore um, got to the stage where they are millionaires, some of them. Uh, whereas other people who didn't engage really and carried on the way they were, such as my friend Vasso, her grandfather cleaned the streets of Mykonos town and she still cleans the streets of Mykonos town. So her life didn't change, it stayed the same. So there you have a very peculiar mission feel, don't you, when you think about it. Um, and I remember when I first got there, Peter, who you know well, um, was often saying to me, it's God's work, you're just there. And I would think, yes, but what does it mean, though? What does it mean? When you look at Psalm 127, and it says, you know, if God didn't build this thing, then the, the workers have laboured in vain. So being a doer and imagining a pile of bricks beside me, and this is going to be God's house, how does it get built if the my two hands and my two feet aren't involved? Is it just going to be an overnight miracle and turn from a pile of bricks into a house? How does this work? I've struggled with this a lot. And because I'm such a kind of seeker as well, I'm always just wanting to do God's will and wanting to... I want revival for Mykonos. I want people to come to know him. I've got a passion for it. But I don't want to be in the way either. And how does it work? What, do you, what are you meant to do? And I was here last year, and some of you, I, I'm starting to know lots of faces, you know, from having been here now a few times. So I was with you this time last year, um, and then I went off, saw my friends and my family at Christmas time, and headed off back to Mykonos with a heart full of hope, and decided to research breakthrough. There must be a way. What about all these people that have seen breakthrough? How about them? What did they learn? What did they do? Maybe if I copy them, um, it's going to happen for Mykonos. And uh, you can see how kind of well-intentioned I am, right? Um, and, you know, I don't know if you're the same as me, but if I don't know something, I tend to want to, like, read a book on it to learn how. It was a little bit like that. And I remember when I went back, um, finding out about a guy called Todd White. I don't know if you've heard of him. Long dreadlocks, who got a kind of you know, radical, uh, a radical bringing to faith. And when he did, he immediately said to his long, long-term living girlfriend, you can't live with me anymore, this is wrong. Uh, we have to get married instead, and they did, and so it began. And when he first came to faith, he decided that he was going to pray for 10 people a day. And I don't mean by that he was one going to kind of sit in a chair and sort of do it quietly, nothing wrong with that at all. He meant go out and find 10 people and lay his hands on them and pray for them. And I thought, okay, that's obviously a good thing to do. I'm going to do that. And because it's winter, because there's nobody here, as I was explaining to you, when the tourists have gone, all the people that come for the five-star hotels and so on, what's left behind is quite a threadbare community these days in the town. Um, often elderly, very, very elderly. Um, some Albanian families, but the whole town is very quiet. And I thought, okay, it's winter time. I'm probably not going to bump into ten people in a day. I'm going to do five. Five a day, five a day. So off I go, and I'm, and I'm feeling really good because, you know, results lady. So, you know, once I've got my five in the box, I'm ticking in my head. I think I've done five, I've done five. And one of the people, one of the days, let's say I'm in, on day four of doing this, was a lady called Vasily Key. And I went, I found her with her dog, who gets on very well with my little dog. And she's always running away. I noticed that about her. Very lovely lady and very kindly, and looked really kind of smart, and a thinker, 
But within a few minutes of any conversation I ever had with her, she was always running away. She was always feeling, she was always saying, I'm just so busy, I've got lots to do. And you felt that she was kind of avoiding opening up, really. Um, but every time I saw her, I would try and have a little chat with her. And that particular day, because I'm on my five day, um, I said to her, could I please pray for you? So I laid my hands on her and I prayed for her and she began to cry. And as we said goodbye to each other, because she said, I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got so much to do, the way that she does, uh, I carried on. And I was feeling quite kind of like a little spring lamb, you know, very happy, doing my five a day. And I stood on a wall that was only about so high, really. And as I sprang off it, as though I was 23 years old and not 58 years old, I went flat on the floor. And my ankle kind of, my, my weak ankle turned inwards and as I tried to right myself, the whole thing turned the other way. I crash landed into a car, I banged my head, I'm lying on the floor. And there's nobody there. People haven't come back from Christmas. I was lying there weeping for about 20 minutes. Um, and when I finally decided I needed to get myself up and get back to my house, otherwise it would only feel more painful, um, I did. And that was the end of my five a day because I couldn't move anymore. The clinic told me I had a fracture and I couldn't put any weight on it. And I would, even in my little house in the little town of Mykonos, I'm just sort of trying to pootle around as little as possible. And suddenly I'm taken out of action completely. And I'm thinking, okay, is this the enemy that stopped me doing my five a day? Has God got a plan in it? Was I sort of heading in the wrong direction? Um, and God used that time in so many ways in terms of the people who came to me and the conversations I was able to have. But it also spurred on my research thing. You know, there I was in my house with nothing but my you know, books and TV thinking, OK, I've got to find out what, how does breakthrough come? How do I bring breakthrough to this place? And these are the things I wanted to share with you just in case it's helpful to somebody, right? Uh, because we are promised here that if we seek, we will find. And I was certainly seeking away uh, like mad. And one of the things I came upon, which I thought was just wonderful, if you know anyone in your life who is you know, seeking after God's kingdom and is really like enthusiastic, and they have a DVD player, there's a wonderful um, Christian movie called Christ in You. So Christ in you. And it's full of stories of people all over the world who are out in the streets praying, um, who have seen incredible healings as they do that, and so on. And the person who decided to make this film got a crowdfunding project, then he narrates the whole thing, and he sounds pretty shy and quite an introvert. And he's saying, you know, I just wanted to go, a little bit like me, really, in research mode, trying to find out what brings God kingdom? How do I do this? What do I need to do? And off he went around the world. If he heard about somebody who had an amazing street ministry, he would go to that place and seek them out and, and hang out with them and learn what they did and why they did it. And in the middle of that movie, there was one particular guy who was talking about his trajectory you know, how he started off wanting to honour God and what happened to him along the journey. And this morning, I actually got the movie out onto my phone and scrolled to his bit, and I copied out the thing he said because it really stood out to me when he said it. And this is what it is. just need to find it in my notes. It's 
So this is what he said. This is a guy who uh, lives in Switzerland but speaks very good English. And he said, I prayed for the sick for a few years. Can you imagine? I prayed for the sick for a few years and not a single person was healed. For a few years. Can you imagine? We get dejected, don't we, after trying once and it doesn't, and it doesn't happen. He tried for, for a few years and not a single person was healed. I was so frustrated, I was like, God, what's the deal? And, and I just said, you know, you know, Lord, that I'm completely done now. I've done everything I can think of. I've read the whole Bible. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. I've confessed everything I can think of. I've even confessed things I wasn't even sure that were wrong. Just in, <laughs> just in the hope that it would work and someone would get healed. I said, and then I'm reading my Bible, Acts 3, and how Peter and John are at the temple gates and they pray for a crippled guy and he's healed and he's leaping around and praising God. And a crowd gathers, and in verse 12, so let me turn to this bit. So we're now in Acts 3, and we're at verse 12. And this is what Peter says to the crowd who were leaping around. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? And why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we had made this man walk? And it says, we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. And he goes on to say, so he's recapping the fact that people are looking and, the, and then Peter says back to them, you know, it's, uh, you know what are you, why are you focusing on us? It's not about us, it's about Jesus. And so then this guy who'd been seeking to have a healing ministry and doing everything he could, trying, 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 then said to the Lord, God, I quit. Because according to these guys, it's all about you and not me. I'm going to go on praying, and if you want someone healed, you'll have to do it. Which I think is what God wanted me to realise. Because I think that sometimes he wants us to know that spiritual gifts aren't us. He wants us to know where we stop and he starts. And then the camera cuts to him out in the streets and he's laying hands on people and their, their faces are widening in wonder and awe because their pain has gone. Um, and so the focus is Jesus. And it made me realise that I was doing, I'd fall into the same trap. What can I do, Lord? What can I do to make it happen? How can I be more pure? How can I be more holy? What can I do differently? How much longer do I have to pray? What, what does the formula look like? And it was when I was listening to Jackie Pullinger, again, another person who has headed out somewhere and she has uh, had the Lord grab a hold of her life and she has had uh, a ministry that has mushroomed and grown as well. And when I heard her say... When you're working in the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't feel like trying, trying, trying. If you're working in the power of the Holy Spirit, you step out and you encounter someone just effortlessly who is who God's working in their heart already and he prompts you to say the exact words they need to hear and you're catching a flow. You're joining in the flow of what God's doing which is the complete opposite of you trying, trying, trying in your own strength. I thought, wow, that's amazing. 
So I'd always been prayer walking around Mykonos Town. And I remember when I very first got to the island. So Mykonos Town, just to describe it to you, is like a labyrinth of little streets. And the local people built it that way on purpose because they were ransacked by pirates, you know, Turkish pirates going back into history. And so they built these twisty, turning little alleyways so the pirates wouldn't be able to target a house, wouldn't be able a rich house, wouldn't be able to target a church. Uh, and so it's a twisty, turny little lanes and there's lots of little white houses and churches with blue domes and so on. And when I very first arrived in Mykonos with a car and with my sort of quite purposeful, if I was walking anywhere, I was always thinking, how fast can I get there? And you're, you're kind of in my way, you're going too slow. That was my kind of style of being, you know, being the results-driven person. And the Lord had been teaching me how to be interruptible because Jesus was never in a hurry How many times have we heard that from various speakers and teachers? Jesus was never in a hurry. And that beautiful thing in the message where it talks about the unforced rhythms of grace. So this is meant to be easy. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. It doesn't look like trying, 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 trying. So I'd learned how to be interruptible. But what came as a result of these truths that sort of awoke in me, they were truths in my head, don't get me wrong, everything I'm saying to you I knew already, but it was all up here. It's how to live it out, isn't it? And I then realised that my prayer walking should be prayer, and it should be walking, but it should also be being very, very aware that there is a Holy Spirit inside me who can speak to me and who can tell me where to go and what to do. And by listening to that little inner voice, then I might end up in a place where I'm catching God's flow and catching what he's doing, rather than trying in my own strength to achieve this, that and the other. And one of the days that I was doing that, he told me to go and sit on these rocks that are very high up and overlook the town and the sea. And I do go there anyway to sit there to pray over the town, but I wasn't planning to that day. I was planning to do something else and go a different way. But he said, go and sit on the rocks. And so I did. went to sit on the rocks. And within a couple of minutes of me doing that, the lady who I mentioned to you earlier, Vasiliki, the one who was always running away, she appeared down below by the sea with her dog. And I waved to her. And I fully expected, knowing her as I do, to wave back and be on her way. But she didn't. She climbed up to the rocks to join me. And when she sat down next to me, she collapsed into the nook of my arm like like a six-year-old girl and just cried and cried and cried and cried and it all came tumbling out and in the middle of that conversation it felt completely right to say to her that she needed to start reading the bible and she needed more of the lord and she said yes i do i feel i feel that's completely right and i completely do and i do want to do that and i said do you want me to give you a greek bible and she said yes So the very next day, I gave her a a Bible in Greek, and she'd also wanted to come with me on a day I was doing to a a neighbouring island called Tinos. Now, Tinos is totally different from Mykonos. It was declared a holy island in 270 AD. There's a church there that people flock to for miracles of healing. It's spiritual, it's tranquil, there's no bustle, there's no craziness. It's just, you feel like that when you're in Tinos. And she said, I really want to come with you. So as we got on the ferry to go to Tinos, she said, Linda, look. This is the day after I've given her her Bible. Linda, look. 
and she pointed up to the name of the ferry. And the ferry's name was Theologos. And that means the word of God in Greek. So you couldn't make it up, could you? I'd just given her a Greek Bible and we're on a ferry called the word of God. And we spent the whole day driving around Tinos with me unpacking the word of God for her in answer to her questions. And to cut a long story short, after a summer of her coming to my house almost every day, struggling with the kind of things people do when they work in Mykonos for a slightly tyrannical organisation, I think the the particular islanders who have made a business, um, they just seem to feel that the harsher you treat people, the more you're going to get out of them. And it's, it's brutal working for um, lots of Mekonian families. I know this, I mean, I've, I've been that person a couple of summers, so I, I understand what she's going through. And also she had personal stuff, and she'd come and she'd cry, and I'd pray, and she'd leave feeling better, and this went on. And baptism came up as a topic, and she'd say, yes, I want to. Then she'd say, no, I'm scared. Then she'd say, if I do that, I might belong to something like a club and I'd feel like in control, something's in control of me and it would feel bad. And I talked to her about freedom and uh, how Christ sets you free. And she's going to step into greater freedom by doing this. And so it goes on. She has a lot of obstacles in her own mind and emotions to overcome. But there comes a day when, quite randomly, in a way, she calls me and says... I was going to be going into the queue um, to see the tax people, and it's absolutely huge. I'm not going to get into the tax people for at least an hour and a half, so I thought I might get baptised. <laughs> and you know how baptism in our, it's, like a, it's a holy thing, and it's preparation, and, and don't get me wrong, I had given her all the scriptures and I had prepared her, but I was suddenly like in, a, in my house on the phone hearing that this person wanted to get baptised like right now, and I said, okay, let's do it. And one of the things God had done with her, which was so marvellous, was one day when she was arguing with him about being baptised and saying, yes, but what for? Because we get baptised as babies in the Greek Orthodox faith, and I'm already being baptised, so why? And as she's arguing with God that day, this is sort of a month or two before she actually got baptised, she saw this canister coming past her, which is the canister that people get adult baptisms in, and it was heading to a little church round the corner from where I live, and she said, I knew in that moment that God wanted me to get baptised in, in somewhere near that church. And I love being in the sea, and I love this little beach where it's just below the church, so that's where I'm going to have my baptism. It took another two months to actually make the call because the tax queue was too long, and let's do it now. But when we went down to the beach and I baptised her, she came up out of the water, and she was leaping. And she went onto the beach pirouetting, and crying out, the Holy Spirit is here. And she explained to me that she felt um, a power and a joy and a lightness that it was really hard to put into words, but she knew something was different. And ever since then, every Sunday, I bit my tongue. I know that she hates to feel controlled, so I didn't want to be pushing her in any way. I'd, I'd stopped doing that months earlier. And after the baptism, as we were walking home, I wanted to say, let's meet together and study the word. But I thought, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And within seconds of me biting my tongue, she said, I really want to read the Bible more. And also, how do you pray? And every single, and we agreed that every Sunday she'd come to my house and we'd study the word together and we'd pray. 
And we've started, even when we're together and somebody comes into our conversation who's in need, one of us will say, let's pray for them right now. And suddenly there are two where there are one. And don't get me wrong, I've had Bible study groups before. I've had people sitting in a circle studying the Bible. But those people were there largely because of their fondness for me or they had experienced healing and wanted more. That was really what it was about and it didn't last because it was too much about my personality and their feeling about me and too much about other agendas. Whereas when I altered the way I was doing what I was doing and allowed the Lord to speak to me and guide me and point me in the right direction, I caught his flow. He was working in her heart already. She was ready. We ended up getting on a boat called the Theologos. I couldn't have coordinated that. If, well, I could have done maybe, but it would take a lot of work. And also it would have depended on her wanting to go and being ready to go and so on. So there is an immense difference between the one thing and the other. And the final thing I wanted to share with you, because she asked me, how do you pray? And being the results person, <laughs> I always have been, my list was pretty long all the time. You know, I was asking for, and we're, we're asked to ask, that I'm not, I'm not knocking what I was doing. And also, even if me leaping around praying for all those people, five, my five-a-day thing, even if that was misguided, look what the Lord did with it. One of the people I prayed with that day before I did my ankle in was Vasily Key. So he can redeem all our mistakes. If we're really earnestly seeking him, he can redeem any mistake we're making. And there isn't a formula. But the thing is, he's in charge. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the person that if we lean into, we catch his flow. So coming back to prayer... I was reading a lady who was talking about um, how much she'd gained from just being still with her higher power. She's a lady who used to be an alcoholic and she's learned all this through the AA, you know, the higher power thing, surrendering to your higher power. And she just was sharing in, in this book that she's written about how um, it all sounded a bit extreme and difficult and how on earth do you do it. And her sponsor said to her, just sit still for half an hour. Don't expect anything else of yourself. Just sit still for half an hour. And I took that and paired it with saying something meaningful as you do it, as you're trying to just clear out all the distractions. And I chose the words, Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm listening. And I sat for half an hour and just focused on the fact that I love the Lord and the fact that I'm listening. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm listening. And I have to say, and I've been doing it now since about, I think it's August, and it's the most transforming thing I think I've ever done. Um, to the point where I feel it changes me um, for the day. And I'll just give you like one example of that. Um, in the summer, I have a job where I take um, tourists around in a, in a little van. I have this microphone. I tell them all the information about the island. And it's talking, 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 answering questions, answering. It's very full on. And normally after I've done that, in all honesty, I don't really want to answer any more questions or talk to any more tourists. <laughs> Awful as it sounds, but it's true. And I sometimes go and have my lunch and I just like, tune everything out and I just sort of have a salad and sit there. And I remember one of the first few days when I, I had an hour before I went out of, Lord, I love you, Lord, I'm listening. I noticed how my love energy didn't run out. And I noticed how I was sitting in the place where I'd have a salad and everyone near me felt like they were in my lounge or my, my home and I wanted to be hospitable to them. 
And I was saying, hey, do you want any help with the menu? Because I come here a lot and I know everything is lovely. And they're saying, oh, yes, that'd be great. And they were all off a cruise ship. And the woman I sat next to didn't really want to talk to me too much. She was much more interested in talking to the ladies off her cruise ship because they were going to get back on board and be pals, you know. So it wasn't as though we had an instant connection or bond. It wasn't like that. But I noticed myself being way more hospitable than I normally would be at that time of day wanting to, and I was sharing that my food arrived and I was saying, do you want to try some of this? This is really good. Do you want giving my food away? And by the end of it, the frosty, slightly frosty lady who didn't really want to talk to me at the beginning at all, she said, I want to buy your lunch for you. I said, oh no, you don't need to do that. She said, yes I do. You've been absolutely wonderful. And did we talk about God only to the extent that I told them why I was here and that God sent me and what I was trying to do and so on. It wasn't anything major evangelically, but it was a change in me. There was more love. My love energy lasted way longer. And that's something that I've learned that anyone can take away and do, right? Just to sit before the Lord and, um, and say whatever you is going to help you focus on him. So I think that's probably long enough. So, bless you this Christmas time. Bless you as you seek to serve him in your own lives. Don't go and have a coffee afterwards and forget anything that felt like, ooh, ooh, something's happening to me as I'm hearing this. Because God can use even an untrained speaker like me as long as it's something he wants you to hear to prompt your consciences and prompt your hearts and your minds. So don't, don't lose anything that you felt was hitting you. Even write it down. Um, and, and yeah, it's lovely to be here with you again. And Merry Christmas. And I look forward to bringing you the next instalment next year, hopefully. All right.